welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Let's get to our special guest, because that's the reason you're here. You can see my pretty face almost every other day, but very rarely do we get a chance to see this man here on a nice job. But we're going to change that, as I'll tell you about a little bit at the end. It is Brandon Vaughn, Chief Strategist at Conquer. He's helping you grow your business. He's helping you systemize your business. He motivates you. He inspires you. And he's going to drop some knowledge on you today, talking about recruiting your next rock star. Brandon, how are you this evening? Woo! I'm doing good, Sean. Thanks for the awesome intro, man. Yeah, happy to be here. I would say I was I was back in Tahoe. Was it January, maybe uh, at the Conquer Summit, an event your Conquer, uh, you know, mentoring group, your coaching group was, was putting on. And the one thing I took away from that is, if you don't start with energy. <laughs> then you're not going to be able to rally everybody with you. So, uh, you know, it, it was yourself, it was, it was the Latimers, it was all of them were riled up and ready to go. I figured I'd bring that same sort of energy. But also, we're talking about recruiting and things like, you know, showing your, your personality, showing your energy, showing your culture. That's all going to come up as we go through the, the steps and give some tips there. So, yeah. I figured I had to, you know, respond to that with exactly who I am so everybody knows, you know, what I'm bringing to the table. But Brandon, for those that may not be familiar with you, you know, when I joined Nice Job, you're one of the first names I ended up hearing about. But there are Aww. probably some people out there that may not have heard of you. Um, you want to give just a short, brief, little background, um, you know, generally where you came from and, and where you sit now. Well, it all started in 1984 when I went, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, really, my, my background has come as a second generation window cleaner. So, my dad was an owner operator window cleaner. He started in 1978. He was a guy on the squeegee, washing windows every single day, and he did that for 33 years. So, uh, you know, he was literally the guy behind the squeegee. Never had more than one single employee during all 33 of those years. And I worked full-time with him pretty much from the age of uh, about 13, 14 years old, home th homeschooled through high school, and worked full-time with him while I was homeschooling through high school. And I learned so much from my dad about customer service, about, um, you know, just service in general. Uh, and I, I kind of went on from there to do some other stuff, did a corporate tour, you know, crashed and burned a residential construction company right during the economic downturn, like, you know, really awesome sizzle reel stuff. Uh, but in 2011, uh, my dad was diagnosed with heart disease. And um, he's okay now, but uh, at the time, the doctor told him he couldn't work physically at all anymore. So this was a 33-year career overnight, literally, completely being, uh, you know, turned off. And at the time, I was working for another company, and he asked me to come back in and help and do something. Otherwise, it was just completely shut the business down, uh, which is what he was seriously considering doing. And... Um, you know, because he didn't have retirement set up and he didn't have kind of a backup plan, um, he, you know, needed, he needed it. We needed to rally together as a family. And so I bought the business from him in 2012, picked back up the all clean torch and was like, all right, I have no idea what I'm doing, but let's grow this thing. 
and committed to taking care of him and my mom in their retirement so that they could, you know, not have to worry about an income. But with that, also I needed to take care of my family with an income. So it really kind of created this need for us to grow the business and uh, started out 2012, zero employees and just kind of needed to, from there, start growing the business and made a ton of mistakes along the way. Uh, lots of failures, lots of panic attacks, lots of curled up moments on the couch and tears, you know, but uh, over a course of about six years, we were able to systemize a lot, learned a lot, and uh, got up to about 70 employees and, you know, doing about, you know, 450K plus a month at that point. And, and what I love to talk about making a ton of mistakes along the way, because I think when people start to envision what the next steps in their business are going to be or, or what, you know, things they might try to implement, sometimes there's a bit of a fear there about making a mistake and that they think that could sink everything. And there's some mistakes out there that may set you back a ton, but ultimately, do you believe that going through those mistakes and, and taking those experiences on, really that's the test to see if you kind of have the metal to do so. But ultimately that's where you're going to kind of get the biggest nuggets of knowledge is through those experiences. <laughs> that's a good question. You know, I, um, I'm, I'm under the, the school of thought that a, a, a smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. Uh, yeah. Uh, failure and pain is a strong teacher and going through it yourself and going through the pain and going through the panic attack and, and doing that, it taught me some lifelong lessons, but the lessons that I appreciated more were the ones that I learned without me having to go through those mistakes myself. So, uh, you know, it's definitely experience is a fantastic teacher, but I wouldn't wish, wish the panic attacks on the couch you know, saying employees suck and I quit and, you know, having my wife look at me, you know, like in terror upon anybody because those experiences aren't really good either. So the nice thing is, is, you know, there's so many more resources and things available uh, that I didn't have, or at least wasn't aware of back when I was starting my own business. Certainly not when my dad was, you know, uh, growing his or, you know, running his business. There's so many more resources available. Um, you know, awesome vendors like you guys that are constantly providing values to clients and customers and helping them focus on the real important stuff. Uh, there's just so much more available to be able to learn some of those lessons. But the critical part is whether or not we'll, we'll take advantage of those things and actually execute because it all comes down to you can learn everything you want in the world, but until you actually sit down and execute on those things, the lesson has not been learned. Even if you've heard it, it's execution that is the time when the change gets made. And during our conversation, if anyone has any questions out there, feel free to put them in either the Facebook comments uh, and get passed along. I, I'll try to keep an eye on all, all the comment threads that we have open there. Um, one I want to lead off because it kind of goes into knowing when to start and maybe looking for, you know, when to start recruiting is Jonathan Little asked, it's like my wife and I run an exterior cleaning business. We have staff, but my wife has fear of employing and just having the responsibility of staff. Any suggestions on how to overcome the fear? Um, Brent, I, I watched a lot of you, you know, talking and um, you know, some of the, the speeches and, and other podcasts and things you've been on. Uh, and one quote I thought was really good is that you talked about not being focused on yourself, but starting to focus on your employees' goals and visions. And that's like, as you know, you start setting your culture, but the lead up to that was you talked about 
an entrepreneur or a business owner always kind of wanting control. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that desire to always want control prevents you from maybe giving out a little control and then yourself being able to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of when, when I see Jonathan's question there of how do you overcome that fear? That was the first thing that came to mind. Um, do you have any expansion on that or, or any suggestions for Jonathan? Yeah, absolutely. So these, this is one of the things that I love to talk about because I know this fear very, very well. In fact, the entire time while I was growing my business, um, I had my dad over my shoulder. Uh, I don't want to say questioning my every move, but he was questioning my every move. You know, like when I, when I hired that first employee, he was like, what are you doing? You're you growing. This is why I kept the business simple. No headaches, no problems, no issues. And then the next employee, second truck, what are you doing? Why are you growing like this? This is why I kept it simple. And then when I experienced pain, it was like, this is exactly why. This is terrible. You should have been. And, and it was because he was motivated out of love. And it was his own experience. He didn't want to see me go through you know, any, any pain and suffering. And a simple business can be a very, very beautiful thing. Very beautiful thing. I'm not advocating you have to have a huge multi-million dollar business. You don't. You can have a small boutique business that can run without you and can be very automated and it can be, it can serve whatever lifestyle you want, whether your lifestyle needs are small like ours are, or you have, you know, larger lifestyle needs. You have to remember your why. Your why is like the top of the mountain peak. And it's that thing that was the first day that you started your business. It was that fuel. It was that fire in your belly that said, this is why I want to start my business. And chances are the reason, you know, your why kind of centered around more time freedom, um, you know, more, more freedom in general, want to be able to pursue your own passion, spend more time with your family, uh, not be a slave to a job or, you know, however you viewed it. And the reality is very, very different for a lot of service business owners because they've so forgotten that why or it feels so impossible to reach because they're in the day-to-day thick of running the business. And now, they, you know, rather than have one boss, they have hundreds of bosses, all of their uh, clients, you know, saying, hey, I need to get this job done on a Saturday or a Sunday or in the evening. And it's like, sir, yes, sir. And so now they just kind of put themselves right back into the same trap. And it's really difficult bridge to make in understanding that you can delegate tasks out to help yourself realize that why. So all the fear around it really is just letting go of control. And a lot of the fears that I've heard, and maybe it's a fear that Jonathan Little and his wife experience right now is if I hire someone on, I'm putting too much trust in somebody else to be able to achieve that goal. They won't care about it as much as me. They won't do as good of a job. It's so much risk. What if, what if? Well, the worst case scenario is you kind of get back to the situation you're in currently right now. You know, worst case scenario, if you start building and start growing and getting a team, you can always shrink back down to what you are. Worst case scenario. So Mm -hmm. there's really not a whole lot of risk when it comes to this, really, at the end of the day. Um, But the other thing is too, is, you know, you also have to understand that saying that no one can do it as good as me is almost kind of a pride thing as well too, though. Because I promise you, people can not only do it as good as you, they can do it better than you. You just haven't given other people the opportunity to show that and given them enough trust. And there's so much that goes into accurately training and getting people and setting them up for success 
that you can put in place to where that leap of faith doesn't feel so scary anymore because you've done your due diligence of putting those checks and balances and those systems in place to where you're setting the likelihood up for their success so high that you know they're going to crush it. And then it's not so scary. And then when you find that person and bring them onto the team, you'll get that light bulb moment and you'll say, man, why didn't I do this years and years ago? And that's because it was scary. If you feel scared, you're in the right place because to get somewhere that you've never been means doing things you've never done before. And if you've never hired an employee before and you've never had that, that level of the freedom that you're looking for to be able to delegate and train, you just got to take the, you just got to take the leap. It's a leap of faith and it's scary, but scary is a good thing. So as you prepare to take that leap, uh, you know, get, get out there and, and start recruiting your next rock star. Um, how, how do you even go about identifying perhaps who you're looking for? Because there's one school of thought that I, I know you and I both kind of disagree is, well, I should find someone exactly like me because I know they'll be the same, you know, goals and the same, you know, mentality. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe they're an experienced person. I, I know, I know the quality work they do and I know I can just kind of set it and forget it versus someone you maybe bring on that, you know, you might need to teach and mentor a bit more. So just to kind of pare it all down, what are your tips for understanding who you're looking for? I mean, where, where should yeah. they start when they're trying to think about who should be my next hire? Well, actually, I don't think you and I disagree at all. And well, it, I, it just occurred to me as to why I think that we actually have the exact same philosophy. There's, there's two groups of employees in a service business. There's executives and managers and people that come in with experience to be able to help the, you know, the thought leaders in the company. If you want to hire a, a manager, an office manager, an operations manager, a marketing manager, something like that, experience can be very, very valuable because mm -hmm. if, you know, rather than you teaching them all the things that you don't know about how to set up and run a, a CRM and automate aspects of your business, go hire someone who knows how to do that. Bring in some thought leaders so that they're their own experts in their own, in their own you know, area to be able to do that. Now, so that's one tier. And I think that you and I would, would agree that experience yeah. is a very big beneficial part in, in those groups of company or uh, groups of um, uh, employees. Labor is a little bit different. And in the technician side, when you're going out and you're delivering services, because honestly, not a whole lot of people grow up dreaming to be a window cleaner or a, a land, you know, a lawnmower or a general laborer that's digging trenches. Um, now you can have some fantastic careers and you can make good money in some of these service trades. We had some of our technicians making, you know, 30 plus bucks an hour. So you can have a great career in some of these trades, but the reality is there's just not a whole big line of people that are waiting to get these. Whenever I put out an ad for an office manager, I would get way more applicants than people for labor jobs. And the quality of the candidates were also vastly different. So I wanna talk specifically about the technicians because these are most likely one of the first hires that people would make. I am under the mindset that hiring people for experience in some of these labor positions can be a detriment. And let me give you an example. You have a window cleaner, let's say, or a pressure washer. Let's say you got a window cleaner and they have 10 years experience working for another company. Now I've experienced this too. You hire, you're like 10 years experience. What? This is amazing. You hire them on and you say, Hey, this is the equipment that we use. We use these water fed poles. These are the type of ladders that we use. This is the type of this that we use. This type of that we use. And he goes, mm -mm, no, I, I can't, I can't use those. My old company did it this way. My old company did it this way. Uh, no, I'm not a water fed pole guy. I'm a, I'm a trad guy. We got to use, we got to use traditional. 
No, 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 but these are the systems that we use. No, but that's not the way I'm going to do it. And then he starts telling other technicians and other employees, oh, no, this is the slow way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. And the, the quality of experience can actually be a hindrance if they don't have a beginner's heart. So the, the thing is, is that I view it as wanting to hire someone who is green, who comes in with a clean slate that you can teach them all the ways that you do it. And instead, look for the behaviors, look for the soft skills. Don't look for the hard skills per se. If you are going to hire someone with a lot of experience, just make sure that they have a beginner's mindset and they're humble and they'll come in and say, okay, I'm going to be compliant. I want to follow along with what you guys do. I'm not going to go stir in the waters and telling all the rest of the people, you know, the guys and the gals that you're doing it wrong. Like I'm going to, I'm hundred percent all in, but again, that's a soft skill thing. That's not even a technical side of the thing. So untraining bad habits, untraining some of that can be difficult. And for me, I would prefer it when I would hire, I'd always get that little red flag pop into my head when I had to hire a technician that had those, you know, the, that previous experience. Cause I was like, Oh, how much am I going to have to untrain to our you know, level of standards? You know, cause I have to now rely upon all the muscle memory that the previous company trained that person. Right. Yeah. And even if, it, even if it's on a, a vocal, you know, you talk about like talking to the pit, you know, it's just while they're out there, little shortcuts or something that, that you don't want to part of your workflow um, that can end up being detrimental. And those habits are hard to break because they might've been successful at their previous company, but that company might've had different, you know, level standards, different goals, different aspirations in general. So it's really hard to break that down. So you, you have an idea of who you want. You're, you're willing to go out there and maybe find someone that you have to put a little bit more work in just the, the hard training skills, as you mentioned how am I placing this at or how, how am I finding these people? Am, am I just throwing it up for the whim there? Uh, is there something creative I had to put? I mean, it, it's always sounds a bit daunting. And I think this is what I heard when I asked some people over the previous week, what was their, you know, their biggest concern? Uh, and I think actually Caleb Winnegar posted in the, the nice job heroes group about ad hero. I know Connor Wilson responded to it about, you know, as we kind of wrote, your, I guess, like basic level advice. I know you have an in-depth coaching course that goes really deep into this, but basic level is what's the mindset of, of placing that ad to try to find, you know, that pool to start with as we start picking rock stars? Yeah, such a good question, man. This is like the number one problem <laughs> that people yeah. are dealing with. So two things, two buckets. And I want to talk about one bucket first, and then we can talk about the second bucket. The first bucket is advertising. The second bucket, bucket, which I actually feel there's more secret sauce to having a really good team in the second bucket, okay. is attracting. And there's a whole discussion we can have around that. But the first one is advertising. You need to remember and understand very, very clearly that it's a marketing game. Everything has to do with marketing. You know exactly how to market your services to a homeowner. You say, oh yeah, my, my customer avatar, my target customer is Mrs. Smith and she has a BMW in the driveway and she has 2.5 kids and they, you know, they have this amount of disposable income and you can like picture her and see her house and you know exactly who she is. And you're like, man, if I could only have a thousand more customers like Mrs. Smith and you say, where's Mrs. Mrs. Smith go shop? Where does she hang out? How can I reach her? Where's the audience? Where does she live? It's like all a marketing exercise. And you know how to tell her all of, the benefits on why Mrs. Smith needs to use you. Like if, if Mrs. Smith says, why should I, why should I hire, or why should I hire you 
uh, you would go and you just say all your bullet points and talk about how great, you know, your, your, your business is and why they need to work. The commitment of someone buying, let's say $400 worth of your services versus the commitment of someone saying, I'm going to spend more time with you on a weekly basis than I do with my own family. And I want to come and devote 40 hours plus a, a week to working with you. What, what kind of sale do you think that is? <laughs> like 10 times more difficult to make. You have to, you have to understand that this is a marketing game. And if you want to find a candidate, you know, a, a good, strong candidate, you got to cast a big enough net, just like you wouldn't go and throw five door hangers and they'll be like, all right, who's going to call? Oh, I got one customer that called me. And you go and you realize it's like a little trailer, you know, park home and it's like a, a terrible customer. The same thing is, it applies to going out and finding employees. When you think about advertising, remember, it's all about your message, it's about your volume, and it's about your frequency. So you're going to scream your, you're going to have your carefully crafted message that is going to sell. It's going to sell to someone. You want it to resound. You, you know exactly what kind of employee you want. Well, speak to them. Imagine them in your head. Give them a name. What kind of stuff are they into? Like understand your employee avatar just like you would your customer avatar. The, the next is volume. You got to be loud. You got to go out and not just put this on Craigslist. You got to hit every single job board. You got to email all of your customers and you got to say, hey, we're looking for fantastic team members. Do you know anyone? We really care about who we bring into your home. We want to make sure that they're rock stars. They're, they're humble. They're clean. They're uniformed. Uh, you know, they're crim criminal background screen. And you want to like email blast out to the, all your customers, all your vendors. Uh, you want to talk to your church groups and your networking groups and your BNI groups and you know, go into the hardware stores, become a headhunter. Uh, when you're walking in a restaurant and you, in your server, just is like really amazing, like headhunt them, mm -hmm. you know, give them a card that says, Hey, I think you're awesome. I think we should chat. You always have to be on. And that volume has to be so high. Frequency is the last part. You should never stop hiring ever, 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 ever. You should always be recruiting. You should always be interviewing. You should always be screening always, even if you're full and you don't have the need for it, because you can create a big long list of potential hires. You can interview someone and then they say, Hey, you know what? I think you're a fantastic fit for our business. The problem is we just don't have an opening right now. Can I put you on our short list that as soon as we have one, I could call you. I think you'd really love it here. The worst they're going to say is no. Most of ours said yes. And then we just had a little warm call list that if someone did turn in two weeks notice or we were growing and we need to put another truck on the road, I suddenly had my list to just go through and call and hammer them and, you know, try to find someone. So that bucket of advertising doesn't just have to do with, Hey, how do you word your job ads? It's a whole overarching strategy. Just like you wouldn't say, Hey, how, what, what should be my copy on my marketing flyers? It's like, it doesn't matter as much as putting it out everywhere and networking and building, you know, a network of people that can constantly refer people to you. The other nugget that I'll throw out there is uh, set up an, an employee referral incentive program. So we would tell our employees, hey, we'll give you 500 bucks. You refer someone into us, they stay for six months, 500 bucks, cold, hard cash. And so now our employees, they're, they're our recruiters. They're like handing out cards to everybody and like the gas station attendant and the McDonald's person. They're like, hey, you want to come work for us? And we started getting just this massive surge of employees 
And the great thing about it was uh, you know, referrals was our number one lead source for new employees. And they would pre-vet and pre-screen the employees. They would say, hey, you know, our company's awesome, all right? We, we care about culture. This is what the boss is going to be looking for. And guess what? You got to stay. Uh, you know, I want you, we don't want anyone just showing up and only being here for one or two months. You got to stay for, you know, the full season at least. You, I mean, you got to be around for a while. And so that's how you advertise. That's how you get the message out. Don't just go out there and throw one single job ad and then just like, hmm, I hope it's going to work. You know, put it out on Facebook and Instagram and social media and TikTok and wherever you want. Like, get the message out. I love the example you brought up about the server at the restaurant because a lot of people think of the service that they do as what they're constantly looking for the opportunities are. But mm -hmm. you're interacting with people, you're meeting people that if you, and the pyramid would represent you, that's a great thing. Some of you will walk by their window cleaner and, and see some dirty windows or see opportunities like, oh, I'd love to go, you know, clean that property or clean that house. Right. But they never really think about, man, like I would love the person that just gave me this great experience in this restaurant to be giving my customers a great experience mm. at my store, in the field, whatever that may be. So that, that mindset to keep on and the point about the copy, I tell people writing copy is someone that, that's had to do it for a little bit is people are very good at reading what's genuine and, and kind of what's systematic. Now there are systems in your business, we all agree is great, but if you're formatting or trying to template something that really like hiring that sense is kind of a personal thing, you really have to represent yourself well there, you, you kind of can't copy paste it. You, you really can't do it. Now there are certain things that are, you know, strategies you can develop and there'll be similarities between posts. If you're hiring for different positions, when you talk about your culture, that's going to be same verbiage, same language. You don't need to change it up with that. But I think some of you might be out there looking for kind of a, a template to go. What's the angle? Because while it is advertising, it is marketing 100%. Yeah. There's, it's not a trick or a game here. And just like tricks in, in, you know, Greece doesn't really work in true advertising. It's definitely not going to work here. You're so right, man. And I'm glad you brought that up because everyone's always like, hey, what's a template? How should I use my job at? I'm like, well, tell me about your company. What makes you unique? What's cool about you? What, what do you do that's different? you know, and then test, test things out. Don't feel like you're going to get the perfect job ad right out of the gate. Use four different headlines, use four different sets of copy in each one of those headlines, like see what ends up, you know, getting some different results. Be a professional marketer. I've heard so many people say, if I could just find the right people, we could double this year. And I'm like, dude, if this isn't the biggest, most massive opportunity in your company, why won't you spend some time to master this part? If that's really what's holding you back is finding good people, you better be pouring some budget and some tests and some science and some data into finding those people because it's going to be worth it. <laughs> yeah. And so you're getting, your, you're getting your group of people. You, you have some interviews lined up. Um, I, I will tell a little personal story. When I applied for a nice job, the interview process here is video based. So I recorded a bunch of videos, answered some questions, they looked through and, uh, you know, there's a couple steps along the way before it was kind of face to face, but, um, the questions, the way they were phrased and kind of, but for me, it really attracted someone like me because one, I mean, look at me, I love the video, but <laughs> it, it, it was, it was an opportunity where I felt that like, honestly, that I, I got to record the video. If it kind of didn't feel right, I got to redo it. Not that I could like change my answer and think about it, but I was confident that everything I put in that first video portion 
was 100% truly and accurately me. And if they didn't want that, then I wasn't going to be happy there to begin with. So it, it was, it was a real pressure off me when it comes to interviewing. I, I think that the interview is a great way to kind of learn, you know, the personality of kind of who's bringing it, but you really right off the bat can make that connection if it's kind of worth going forth or not. Like, I don't think you need a longer interview process. Is there any tips or strategies that you take into your interviews or just a general mindset that you approach interviews with that you think might be helpful for someone that might be taking this on for the first time? Well, do you mind if I ask you a question back? Yeah. So you said that, I mean, you, I, I know your background. You came from this amazing sports marketing background. You were like total rock star. Nice job. Uh, was no doubt super happy to find you and have you join their team. Yeah. So my question to you is, is why did you go to nice job? Cause you probably could have picked a lot of different you know, positions to kind of go with. What, what was it about nice job that drew you to say, yeah, I think I'm going to invest my time working for them. Well, so from the, not, not to go too deep into mine, I would gladly tell it later, but for me personally, I was making a big shift. I was working what I would have said was my dream job and, and, and it got to a point where I realized the dream was changing and it wasn't going to be possible. So I, uh, there was other things in my life that I was looking for other dreams I wanted to go after. So I was motivated to have certain sectors of my life be exactly what I wanted them to be that were a little bit on hold. So I come from the sports industry when I worked in baseball there was 90 straight days in a row where I said to, you know, my girlfriend, now wife at the time, like, see ya, like June, July, August, like I'm sleeping at the bar park, literally eating at the ballpark, literally like all that there, that that's what happened. So I want to change things. So when I started to look uh, into nice job and why I decided ultimately just to apply even before the interview was great, but just to apply was they talked about, you know, the ability to grow there, but they spoke the same language when it came to details of someone was in my mindset, which was, Hey, if you have something you want to go after, like this is a chance to do it. You know, we, we rally around uh -huh. people and uh -huh. that exactly that. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that I, now that's no surprise that I thought that that was going to be the case because mm -hmm. nice job did not read your mind and ask you questions that they knew you were going to answer in that way they've established who they are long before you showed up mm -hmm. long before they knew exactly who they were going to be as a company, what mattered most to them, because this is something that I think too many people really, really overlook the core values exercise, company culture. People are like company culture. Oh, it's not like what Silicon Valley companies have. Isn't like beanbag chairs and ping pong tables. No, it's not that at all. Company culture is the personality of your company when no one's looking. Company culture is if you don't set something really intentionally and you just let it go, it's going to become the personality of all your employees kind of mixed together and the service that you deliver to your customer. It's literally everything. It's the core, they call them core values for a reason. Mm -hmm. So defining core values is not something that's just like, you know, that lame exercise that you did at one convention where, you know, you wrote down some things and you forgot what they all were and you put it up on a shelf somewhere and now it's collecting dust. And it's like, what's your core values? Uh, I think it's a uh, passion. Um, I think it's, uh, it's always, always, the customer's always right. It's like, no, it has to mean something. So for us, we spent a lot of time as a team figuring out what our core values were. Some examples of some really cool core values. Buffalo. Someone had the Buffalo as one of their core values. 
Buffaloes charge the storm. They're not the cows that run away from the storm. They charge the storm when it comes. They run towards problems. Like employees felt that. Every, every team meeting, they talked about the buffalo and the spirit of the buffalo. And when there's the rattle in the, in the axle of the van, they would say, oh, let's be a buffalo. Let's, you know, let's tell the operations manager about that right away so we can get it fixed. Oh, there's a fix it, a problem with the customer. Let's go back right now. Let's be a buffalo. Let's go charge it and let's go fix it. You know, Gumby is another core value that a big corporation has where it's like, be flexible, be friendly, you know, uh, be imaginative, uh, be creative, be innovative. Like ours was hook, humility, over-deliver, optimism, and kindness. Like we would ask people during the interview process and we would tell them about our core values and the questions that we asked would tell us whether or not those core values resounded with them. And you will know it. If you ask them enough questions about, you know, tell us some examples of, of how you, you know, displayed over, over delivery to, you know, in your last job, you know, how, how did, how did someone on your team display that? What does over delivery mean to you? What does optimism mean to you? What is it? If you ask enough of those questions centered around the, it, whether there's a value alignment, it, everything changes. And it can be such a fantastic way where a prospect like you, who's a rock star, comes along, sees a company that's like, wow, this is a fantastic culture fit. And one of the number one referral sources that we had was from our employees because they would say, there's just not a company like AllClean around. You know, it's such a culture fit. They, they care about their employees. They do happy AllClean day and bring families. They would put fake appointments on our calendars. And, uh, and then when we would show up to the jobs, it'd be like a party. And it's just like, you know, weird, crazy stuff. And when you explain things like that to a prospect or a potential candidate, and you can quickly identify whether or not they're going to be a good fit for you and they're, and, and, and you're going to be a good fit for them because it's right. It's like that two way street. That's important too. Uh, then everything changes. And then that's how you can make sure that you're hiring the right people. So is that actually step one then like identify your, your company's core values so that you, you yes. everything else builds out from that? Yes. Yes. They call them core for a reason. You got to identify that you got to get all those things put in place. Then when you actually get the people on board, you build it into your interviews, you build those types of questions into your interviews. Um, you know, you identify that still do all the due diligence steps of phone references and, you know, checking out their background, do the background checks, make sure that they're a fit, still do those components. Um, but make that a big part of the process and, you know, have your core values up everywhere all over your shop. The other thing is too, is if just like in marketing, if you're going to market to a homeowner that you're the best company ever, and that you treat their, them like royalty. And then you show up and you walk into their house with muddy boots and you're, you know, smoking in their home and you're walking around and you're, you're delivering terrible service. It doesn't matter how good you market when people show up and they realize that you're not what you say you are, they're going to bounce. They're, they're never going to refer you to anyone else. So you actually also have to deliver upon your promises and that, you know, that, that culture promise of, of what it's like to work for your company when they show up. So are most of your interview questions culture-based as opposed to like the, the nuts and bolts of the job base? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it is culture-based. Um, another, another big thing that we do is we talk about our employees' dreams during, uh, during the interview process. And this is really counterintuitive for a lot of people that I talk to about this. It sounds really weird, yeah. but there's a book that's called Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly that was a a huge epiphany moment for me when I read it that 
basically says, why would your employees care about fulfilling you and your company's dreams if you have zero care and concern for their personal dreams? And so what the, this, this it tells a story of a company that experienced a 400% turnover rate year on year. Every employee in the company four times on average per year turned over. And how they were able to drop that down by literally just focusing on their employees' dreams and connecting those dots and sitting down with them and really systematically saying, okay, you know, what's your dream? Their dream could be to go get their dream job. Are you going to be the type of employer that says, hey, awesome, no problem, we get it. Not everyone grows up, you know, wanted to be a roof cleaner. So tell you what, we're going to provide you with classes and courses that's going to help you get closer to that dream or they want to buy their first house or they want to buy, you know, some, some truck or go on a special vacation to Africa or to Europe. And you can like set aside something. Well, I tell you what, if we can get the reviews dialed in over here or we can get your production levels over here, I'm going to set aside X amount of, you know, of this bonus and we're going to set it aside and we're going to book that trip and we're going to send you on that dream trip. And like connecting and bridging performance and how if they build the company up, they can achieve those uh, one of our employees went to, uh, went to Africa on a mission trip and it was all paid for. He was able to leave for a couple months and go on this trip. This was like a, a lifelong dream. And uh, he was absolutely one of our hands down most loyal employees. And he, he used to bring so many people into our business as referrals because we just fulfilled a dream for, that for us really wasn't that difficult to fulfill. He paid for it. We just helped him find the path to be able to do it and helped hold them accountable and kind of coach them in how to do it. So it doesn't have to be just buying them trips and buying them this. It has to be a way that just shows that you care. You care about their personal success and their development as a person. It, it's, uh, that's really loyalty there. Like that, that's how you start to cultivate that. Um, you know, from my, my old industry in, in sports, we talk about building fan bases. It, it's a lot of what, what I've been talking about. Um, you know, if you, if you see me out speaking recently, uh, you know, for a nice job, about building a fan base from you know, your, your, your customer base. And I always say is fan bases are amazing because the sports industry, take the NFL for example, it's 30, 31 businesses doing the exact same thing, mm. usually on the exact same day, and they're all making billions of dollars doing it. And the reason why is because their loyal fan bases champion for them and they they'll you know, it comes and buy merchandise and other thing but you know go tell someone else that their team isn't good and watch the response Ooh, that's it's, good it's because it's because they've built a loyalty because they care as much about your success so if you're a last place team you're testing that loyalty every single day mm. and if you are a business owner and you're not really serving and fulfilling multiple needs ever then you're testing that loyalty however if you're listening and you're communicating and you're, you know, you say like you're accurately displaying what your goals are and identifying what their goals are and, and showing the path of how this aligns together, that literally starts to build in because they realize that every time you win, they win. I always put it in sports winning, but you know, every, every time they sort of succeed. And, and I love that you talk about, you know, an hour on the clock where they're going to do self-development or, 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 you know, having yeah. all these, things available so that they know that they don't have to be silo visioned and just focus task at hand, task at hand, because if they grow as a person, everything grows. And, and right. that, that's, that's unbelievable and would make sense of why when you're interviewing, culture questions are probably going to net you a lot more result in finding out and determining this potentially is your next rock star here. 
than just figuring out what their technique is, maybe, maybe doing it. Um, I guess that's a fantastic analogy. I love that analogy, Sean. That is really good. That's you, really good. Love there it. you go. I have I'm my own, that one. I mean, I have my own one minute course that I am debuting now. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you're, you're exactly right. And you know, in, in this whole conversation we're talking about mm-hmm. touches on bucket number two, which is the attraction side, right? This yeah. is the deeper stuff that will, will literally bring people in to your business on autopilot to where you won't, you don't have to constantly be going out running job ads. All that. still do still I'm yep. always be hiring, always be advertising, always have that marketing budget, but you'll start to notice something shift to where people are coming in. And then eventually there's a line of people waiting to join your company and they're eager to join your company. And then people are like, wait, I don't want to leave this company. This company's awesome. We've had people leave and then come back because they're like, man, nothing's like this out here. You know, people aren't, this is a window cleaning and a roof cleaning and pressure washing company, but it doesn't feel like that. It felt completely different. And that's how you start getting the attraction side and start getting that flywheel in motion to where it just keeps getting its own momentum from its own turning. And then it becomes much, much harder to stop. And it takes way less energy to keep pushing it. It just kind of develops its own mechanics of just movement. And perhaps more so now, given the current climate, uh, you know, with, with COVID and, you know, some people out of work or, or some people working from, from home uh, that might be looking, uh, you know, career change or something like that, but they're talking, you know, to their friends, to their family. That's if you have someone that's viciously loyal to you, that's going to be a nice, attractive, you know, person out there to bring them in. Mm-hmm. It, it could be a good time to, you know, you might be able to grow bigger out of this because, if you have that loyal staff that that's helping to communicate, I guarantee this is all coming up in conversations. Every time they're complaining about zoom meetings, I guarantee there's someone going, well, yeah, I was, I was outside, you know, I had the mask on and everything like that, but man, I so love true. being outside of my job. Right. So you true. Know? Good point. Uh, but we are stuck inside safe inside perhaps, <laughs> uh, which I'm using as a segue to talk about something big that you've been putting on that uh, we at nice job are happy you know, to support and be a part of the Home Service Super Summit. Um, And you might be thinking, okay, online sort of summit, maybe a couple of speakers. Not Mr. Brandon Vaughn here. I think it's over 40 speakers now, like, and not just, not the Sean Hills of the world, like these industry giants out there. It's absolutely spectacular. Let's start step one. What what sparked this to really get you in there to grind out and, and build what's looking to be a fantastic summit? Well, the, the number one thing was, was um, uh, so many of our, our colleagues and other industry people, all these events were getting canceled. And maybe you haven't felt it per se exactly in your own industry if you're watching this, but there's been over a hundred industry events canceled, um, not rescheduled, canceled uh, due to COVID-19, quarantines, travel lockdowns, restrictions, stay-at-home orders. And uh, this is, you know, conferences, trade shows, um, in-person summits, all these different events have been canceled. And so what we wanted to do is we still wanted to get the education component provided. And there's two really amazing side benefits that we found about hosting this online. Number one, insanely cost-effective because no travel, no hotel, no viruses. So that's something that's been there. That way cost is, is, you know, is, is there. It's been way less expensive to put this event on. And because we've made it so convenient for people, we've been able to get speakers that I can almost guarantee you've never heard speak in person before. Um, people like Michael Gerber, author of The E-Myth, 
It was like the, one of the biggest, most game-changing books that I have ever read in, in my, for my service business. Uh, we have Mike Michalowicz, Brian Scudamore, uh, Elizabeth Berry, Tommy Mello, uh, Lars Christensen, who is like absolute rock star. He's going to be speaking as well. And uh, we just have a whole in, insane lineup. Sandler Sales Training, the CEO of Sandler is speaking. I mean, like all these awesome rock stars and it's a four day long event. And the best part is the free ticket. So part of the, part of the really awesome thing about all these speakers is, is they, you know, they saw what we were doing. They were very graciously, um, you know, donated their time to be able to support all the home service business pros. And we're super fortunate to be able to partner it up with, um, uh, rockstar partners like nice job, which thank you, Sean and Lars and everyone over at your team for supporting this. Cause it would not have been able to be possible without, you know, guys like you, uh, putting this on and helping us put this on. Um, and then the last component that I will mention about the summit is this is going to be the world's largest online event in history ever for home service business owners. And, and I can say that officially because we actually have partnered up with Guinness World Records, uh, who will be at this event live June 11th through June 14th and verifying it as the world's largest. So if you want to come join 30 to 40,000 plus home service business pros. Uh, if you own a home service business, you got to come get your free ticket. You got to come check it out. It's going to be epic. And it's, this isn't just a, a series of webinars, so to speak. I mean, there's, there's going to be full schedule of, of speakers um, yes. you know, each day, June 11th through the 14th. But I also know, um, you know, there's a, a Facebook group that's going to be out there. I know we at nice job, we're, we're doing a lot of complimentary things, um, mm -hmm. you know, networking groups, conversations, you know, note swapping, things like that. You know, we're trying to, to dive in and provide as many opportunities as possible. Um, and, but one thing I can tell you as we learned about it and why we were so excited about it, why we wanted to get involved is where it's coming from is a true educational, let's grow, let's communicate and let, let's be better. So if you were waiting for that opportunity to come knock on the door for you, it doesn't happen often, but a free online summit could be the exact, like, this is the knock. If you're waiting for the knock, this is the knock. So we want to encourage you, you know, we're, we're super honored to be a part of it. We, we're glad that, um, you know, we, we kind of found out about it because you've been working on it for a while. Uh, I know you're very yeah. tight lipped. I saw you, I can't remember where it was, maybe natural or whatever. And it, oh, how's it going? Like, I'm working on some things. I could tell you had something <laughs> big growing. Um, and, and it's really phenomenal. So if, if people want to go uh, register for the free ticket, uh, where should they head next? Go over to homeservicesupersummit.com. Homeservicesupersummit. It's a tongue twister, yeah. but and I know it's a lot of keystrokes, but it's worth it. I promise you. So uh, head over there. And the, and the cool thing about it is, is if um, we, we want everyone who registers to show up live for at least one day during the, the, the event. I, I get it if you can't devote all four days, but please at least devote like a good, a good couple of the days. Um, each day is going to be a different theme and we have a whole day that's dedicated just to marketing. The mm -hmm. first day right out of the gate is just like how to crush it in marketing. We have some amazing killer speakers lined up for that. And a nice job has partnered up with us on that day as well. And the lineup that we've put together for marketing day is incredible. Uh, but if you come and you participate during the live session, you'll be able to be officially counted as a Guinness World Record participant. So you can get a certificate from Guinness World Records when we crush the record, when we get the record, 
you'll be able to get a certificate from Guinness saying that you participated in a Guinness world record. It's a nice certificate too. So yeah. uh, you definitely want to make sure that you go over and register right now. Do it right now before you forget. It's only going to take you 10 seconds to go register. Don't forget, do it now. And uh, we'll see. We'll see you over there. Am I? Am I I'm. I'm starting to get a little too crazy. It's getting late. It's, no, it's it's good. The, 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 Guinness, the Guinness World Record uh, is is a great achievement because I want everyone to look at their fingernails right now. You're not getting the longest fingernail record. That's not happening. <laughs> Think about eating five powdered donuts in a minute. That's probably not happening. Right. This might be our only chance, everybody. Okay. So uh, yeah, we we would love it if it was if it was day one. You know, uh, day one. The marketing day presented by Nice Job. We we would love for that to be the day, but. One day in particular, get everyone together. But even if you if you're only able to make it a bit part of it, um, when you go to homeservicesupersummit.com, you'll also see uh, some other great opportunities to uh, you know kind of enhance your ticket, get you know recordings out of the fact, things like that. So definitely dive in. But for absolutely free, once you register, you're gonna get access to like I said, over 40 speakers. That's gonna be absolutely phenomenal. Um, and Brandon, you know, thank you so much for doing that in particular, but for joining us here uh, tonight. Um, like I said, when I first joined Nice Job, you were one of the names that people were like, you gotta go, you gotta get Brandon, you gotta get Brandon on the talk, you gotta get something. Uh, and you lived up to the billing, my friend, but uh, I, appreci I appreciate you joining me. I know it was a long one, um, putting that together and, uh, and really sharing some great uh, helpful tips with our, our users out there. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure, Sean. Thanks for having me, man, it's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody out there for tuning in tonight, recruiting your next rock star with Brandon Vaughn. Uh, as I mentioned to, uh, at the end there, homeservicesupersummit.com is where you find it out. Nice job. It's proud to be uh, you know, one of the contributing sponsors for that day one, the marketing day. We're really hyped about get to see Lars Christensen speak, uh, be in action there. Um, but we also want to let you know that we are here rooting for you. So we hope you're being safe. We hope you're being healthy. And remember, have a little fun out there as well. Don't forget about that fun. Uh, so for all of us, for Nice Job and for Brandon Vaughn, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your evening, and we'll see you soon. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.